1: I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of The Females, a podcast that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice so that you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm Norman Goodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa. Before COVID, I used to commute an hour and a half each way to work. I know, I can feel you guys cringing just hearing that. It was a tough commute. And while I wanted to find a way around it, it really wasn't until COVID, when the Career Contessa team started to work from home permanently, that I really felt the effects of that commute and conversely, the benefits of not having to do that commute. Whether it was your commute or something else, I'm sure there's something about your work that has changed over the last, what is it, 18 plus months. And sadly, experiencing new burnout symptoms might also be on that list. As companies start to rethink how to bring employees back to the office and employees start to rethink what they want out of work and how they want to work, managing employee burnout and anxiety needs to be a top priority. And it can be. On today's episode, I'm joined by Yu Su Heng, a burnout scholar at the University of Washington to share these new burnout symptoms, some specific strategies for dealing with your unique burnout type. Hint, there's things like self-compassion and self-care. And no, we're not going to just tell you to do more self-care. So you're going to really love this and what employers really need to do to help. And it's not just a week off of work or free online therapy. There's real work that needs to be done. So we're going to be covering all that and more. And now, this is the females. Yusu Hang is a management researcher focused on organizational behavior at University of Washington's Foster School of Business, and we're really lucky because Yusu is here to let us pick her brain. And I've got a question. Where I want to start, at least with this conversation, is that you know, as companies start to announce that they're planning to open their offices. A lot of, I know there's a lot of stuff where it's like after the summer and the fall they're going to, or even I feel like 4th of July was kind of this uh, big marker where people started to introduce these hybrid office setups this summer. We're at the same time hearing these announcements. We're also seeing this record number of people quit their jobs. Everyone's probably heard of the great resignation. Do you think that's a coincidence or do you think people are really just against going back into the office?
0: Yeah, so I I doubt that this is a pure coincidence, Um, even though the reason why people quit their jobs is probably based on multiple factors. Mm -hmm. So Yubei, you mentioned the great resignation and Anthony Klotz, who's a professor at Texas A&M, recently wrote this really insightful opinion piece about it, um, where he talked about how people are quitting their jobs Mm post-pandemic. And um, in it, he describes how people make decisions about whether or not they should quit. And what they do is that they actually weigh the costs and benefits of staying. So when the costs of staying uh, exceeds the cost of living, that's when people leave. Mm, Interesting. So uh, what's happening is that people have lived in the pandemic, and this has fundamentally shifted um, their evaluations of costs and benefits. Um, You now have the the chance to stay at home for almost a year, and now you get the chance to actually work from home, which is something that people, most people didn't have the chance to do in the past. So some folks now consider going back to work to be extremely costly after having stayed at home for a year. So some examples could be parents who just had kids during the pandemic. They realized that staying at home allowed them to work, but also see that their children go through their first few milestones in their lives. And they may realize that missing these milestones might be more costly than, than they expected or previously envisioned. So this may result in them realizing that, oh, I don't think I can go back to work anymore. The costs outweigh the benefits. I'd rather find a job that pays less if I could stay at home to work and also to my children. Um, that could be happening. Some other common things that I've heard or seen as well is that people had a chance to not commute. Some people yeah, really hate their that's morning commute. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I'm part so, of that group. Yes, I totally <laughs> <get>
0: that. <laughs> yeah, so... Many people realize that, oh, wow, I could actually work from home without going through traffic. And so they realize that, okay, this is way more costly than I I expected. And I really do not want to do this. This may end up with people not wanting to go back to work as well, changing their jobs to make sure that they can stay at home more. Yeah, There's also a, a, a huge group of people who might be immunocompromised or really scared of, of COVID, whether or not um, um, they're vaccinated um, or they had the chance to. So when they actually have to go back to work, they might be really worried about it. Um, going back to work becomes costly because that might result in them getting COVID or getting People who are within their families who are immunocompromised are infected as yeah. well. So people might rather stay at home or change their jobs than go back to work. So
1: it's it's interesting that the costs here that you're talking about, we haven't talked about salary. Like you haven't mentioned oh, yeah. money and salary in any of these. And it's interesting you mentioned the commute just because I used to commute an hour and a half each way to work. And the other day I oh had to go down in that direction and it, it actually took less time because of COVID traffic. It only took like 40 minutes to get there. And I thought I had this thought to myself, like, there is no way I could do this again. Like I like mentally, physically, emotionally do not think I could go through that again. So there's also, I think when you're weighing the pros and cons, there's like an anxiety that kicks in just thinking about
0: Life before too. <laughs> yep, that's right. Um, I have a friend who was who was recently choosing between jobs. She got a job, and she was like, I really don't think I can go in four days a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like you're like rude. Why would you ask that?
1: <laughs> Make the most out of each day. MZ Wallace is a chic, innovative line of bags and accessories that are designed to do more. Whether that means more traveling, more fitness, a more efficient commute, or just more fun. Whether it's a lightweight travel style or a multitasking tote for the office, try an MZ Wallace bag for yourself and discover the class-leading quality, lightweight, innovative design, and iconic style that will make it your all-day, everyday bag. MZ Wallace's co-founders started the brand after years of working in the fashion industry and realizing that the bag they needed, one that could stand up to everything on their schedule from morning workouts to a night on the town, didn't exist. So they set out to create it themselves. How is that for problem solving? Here at Career Contessa, we are all about empowering women who are changing the game. That's why we love supporting a female-founded brand like MZ Wallace. With MZ Wallace, great design is in the details. You'll find pockets right where you need them. Lightweight, stain, and water-resistant material that's easy to wipe clean and so many more smart design details you never even knew you needed. My favorite detail about the Metro Belt Bag is that it's lightweight, yet has enough room for your phone and other small necessities. It's foldable, rollable, and packable. Some other features I enjoy are the adjustable waist strap, the convenient exterior pocket, and the signature red leather edging. MZ Wallace believes that great design isn't just how something looks, but also how it works. From their high quality, long-lasting materials to their timeless style, having an MZ Wallace bag by your side means always being prepared to take on your day. MZ Wallace is offering the females listeners 15% off your first purchase. Just go to mzwallace.com backslash females with an I. So let me spell that out. It's mzwallace.com backslash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S for 15% off your first purchase. MZ Wallace designed to do more. All right, now let's get back to the show. So I want to talk about, I mean, obviously what we are seeing too, is that there's almost like these new burnout symptoms that are happening when people think about returning to the office or in general. And I don't know if you saw, but in the news, Bumble, this was like maybe a couple of weeks ago too, but Bumble gave all of its employees a week off for what they called quote unquote collective burnout. What are Uh we seeing in terms of trends with burnout with employees, whether they've left the job, they're still at the job, just like this, this burnout that exists in this COVID time right now.
0: Yeah. So, so let me first define burnout um, to give people a sense of what it is. Um, this is a, a concept that was first introduced by Christina Meslek, who is a UC Berkeley psychology professor. And burnout is, this um, presents itself as a combination of three different symptoms. So the first one will be exhaustion, this feeling that you feel depleted of all your mental and physical resources. You're just super tired. Um, The second symptom is that um, there's this cynical detachment from uh, this. You feel this um, depletion of social connectedness with other people, your coworkers, and even your work itself. And finally, the third symptom symptom is a reduced sense of efficacy. So there's depletion of a belief in yourself. You're not sure if you can do things or achieve things. And so these are the three main symptoms of burnout that presents differently in different people. And some people can have a combination of a couple of different um, burnout symptoms as well. And before, before the pandemic, we already have experienced burnout. All of us already. Yeah, we were burnout. already doing that really <laughs> <Yeah>. well.
1: <laughs> we got an A plus in burnout. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
0: Yeah. So and that was caused by working long hours, unfair treatment at work, um, when you felt like you weren't able to communicate with your coworkers and supervisors and all of that. So that's already happening in the past. And so with COVID coming to the picture, I think that really makes things more challenging for everyone. With the fact that when COVID happened, everything's changed to work from home. A lot of changes were made. that increased the um, workload of people because they had to quickly shift and learn new skills, learn how to use Zoom, all yeah. of that. So things were way harder for, for most people. There was also this lack of role clarity. So um, am I supposed to do this or do that? Or what am I supposed to do? That became very confusing for people. People were very unsure of what, what what's going on. And that adds to people's burnout as well. Yeah. At the same time, when now, now that we're connecting via Zoom and all of that, um, they have less time with their managers and coworkers. And so... There might be an increased um, opportunity of problems due to miscommunication. A lot of that also contributes to burnout. So Mm -hmm. COVID has caused all of these symptoms uh, to manifest in different ways or exacerbated them. At the same time, burnout doesn't just come from work itself. So people are burnt out from the pandemic. People are burnt out from the racial inequalities and injustice events that have happened in the past year. And all of these... um, will will contribute to your burnout as well. So I would say that um, people are ready to burn out. It's like, if you're not burnt out, then we
1: should have you on the show and tell us your secret. (laughs) You know, exactly, because it makes sense that everyone like, we've literally hit every facet. It's like, it's not just work, it's life. Oh, by the way, it's your mental, it's your physical health, (laughs) it's your spiritual health, all that kind of stuff. And, And so when companies ask people to return to the office, do you think, I mean, you study organizations, do you think this is more to do with control? Or do you think they they genuinely, maybe some of them genuinely are trying to maybe help with these burnout symptoms? Maybe they think, oh, you guys are burned out because you're having to do all the Zoom. So if you just come
0: back to the office,
1: yeah. you can connect in the kitchen. It'll be great. And maybe get COVID in the meantime. No,
0: I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it depends. So I think that there's this definitely element of control that might be in place. So maybe uh, it's highly possible that organizations want employees to go back to work so Mm -hmm. that they can be monitored. Mm -hmm. They want to monitor to make sure that employees are not slacking off. um, They are doing their jobs. Um, But at the same time, there are also benefits to going back. We know that from having worked um, prior to the pandemic, that it increases the chances of us having organic conversations um, with one another. It might be easier to coordinate with one another. And we also have to remember that um, working in person is, Maybe particularly crucial for certain industries and others. Yeah. So if you're a software engineer, maybe it's not that important because you can just be coding. But if you're in the education sector, if you're in counseling, if you're working with um, people with special needs, then going back to work and being in person becomes a uh, particularly crucial element. Yeah,
1: that's a that's a really good point is that not yeah. every industry is, well, obviously we knew this, but like not every industry also was truly was built to go online and while they've been able yeah. to make it work, maybe the majority of those people are actually ex- excited to return to the office. One, yeah. one thing I've thought a lot about with burnout is, and I think I think there's a whole industry that can monetize off of this. Like the self-help mm-hmm. industry can monetize off of telling people and like shaming them into being like, you're burnt out and it's because you're doing something wrong. And I think maybe companies even at times or employers can sometimes place the blame on the individual What's your thought on that? I mean, is this do you think this is something where managing burnout symptoms and your health is a hundred percent on the individual? Or do you think the self-help industry has just tapped into a great way to make billions of dollars?
0: <laughs> So, um, I do think that burnout is a workplace thing. So, it's definitely not, it's not just an employee problem. I think the biggest, the people who are responsible for employee burnout should be the employers, Mm -hmm. because most of the time people are burnt out because of unmanageable workloads, time pressures, unreasonable demands. So, in some sense, having these self help mental programs and all of that is helpful for employees by giving them this option if they want to. Um, use these tools to help them but the worry that we have as burnout scholars is that those are things that organizations go to as quick fixes yeah so checking the box right it's like in the box it's like
1: we're not going to change your work hours or how we email 24 7 but we'll give you some free therapy which is just one more thing that you have to work into your schedule every single week and find time for
0: right it's not like we'll give you an hour less
1: of work each week or something
0: yeah so that's that's when we worry a bit about that because this industry, it's helpful for, for employees having this mental health support. Mm-hmm. It's great, but some other things have to change too, not just um providing them with this 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 these tools to use. Mm-hmm. Um they also need to make sure that employees are able to actually be able to do their work in a reasonable way. I love that Bumble also gave that they gave their employees a wake-off, but at the same time, we also need to make sure that. I hope that this is not the only thing that they're doing. Hopefully they're also looking at how to change or make things better for employees in terms of um, their schedules, in terms of their workload and all of that.
1: Yeah, totally. It's a
0: long-term thing.
1: The world is obsessed with remote work. There are tons of benefits to remote work. However, companies are also facing some unexpected challenges. People are creating their dream lives to live and work wherever they choose around the world. But for many employers, this makes it almost impossible to offer benefits like health insurance to their whole team. Well, our partner, Safety Wing, has solved this problem for remote teams by creating the first global health insurance. As more companies embrace the advantage of hiring global talent, they're realizing that their benefits are still very localized and constrained by national borders. Safety Wing is on a mission to fix the problem of remote employee benefits by offering borderless benefits for remote and distributed teams. Safety Wing's remote health insurance works in any country, wherever you live, or if you're just visiting. They have a fully equipped health insurance plan that works for all of your global employees, so it's built for a truly global workforce. Plus, the great thing about Safety Wing is that you can add anyone affiliated with your company to one simple plan that gets cheaper as you scale. With Safety Wing, you have the ability to customize your policy to make it perfect for your team. Remote health insurance works globally, so you can hire the best talent in the world. Safety Wing's remote health allows companies to offer equal benefits to the whole team, no matter where they live or are located. Your team is global. Their benefits should be global, too. Go to safetywing.com backslash remote health to learn more. One more time, that's safetywing.com backslash remote health to learn more about how you can customize a global health insurance policy for your team. All right, now let's get back to the show. I like what you said, too, about role clarity. I think that Mm -hmm. when I was writing my book, I was researching like when people feel the most lost at work or unsure of what to do next, one of the like symptoms is that kind of like, you feel like you're walking around in the dark and you're bumping into the wall. Right. And you don't even know it's there. Yeah. And a big piece that led to that was like lack of role clarity. Like you don't know, like, what am I supposed to be doing? What are the markers of success? How? And I know, especially like I'll give all the employers a pass when the COVID happened. Like we didn't know what was happening day by day. But one thing I've learned about as an employer that you can do for your employees, it's really good. That collective week, I hope you gave them enough advance notice so that they could actually do oh, yeah. something to yeah. enjoy their time off. But the other thing is make it to your point, make sure you're doing some of the other things, role clarity, expectations, like mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. maybe you've found this in your research, but I have learned that we're really not that different than like what we were in like first grade where it's like, we need structure. We need like to follow, follow the lead, not follow the leader, but you know what I mean? Like we, as humans, we kind of crave some predictability and I think more importantly, some control. And I think structure and, and giving people the freedom, but also enough structure to be successful in it is really, really important.
0: Hundred percent, I agree with that. So that definitely reduces people's anxiety about not knowing what to do. Yes, being able to actually know where to put your effort, like where to invest your efforts towards, instead of just randomly doing different tasks and not achieving their goals. Yes. So yeah, I love it. A
1: burnout scholar and I are on the same page. Which, by the way, burnout scholar is probably the best job title I've ever heard. I really love it. You probably feel like you're, you know, like studying burnout doesn't always have like, you know, the happy ending, but it's a really cool job. And it's, you're doing important work. So we're all thankful (laughs) to you and the other burnout scholars. Okay. So people are now are, Thoroughly depressed. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyone listening to this is probably like, okay, give me some tips. And so Yusu has some tips for employers and employees that you guys can both take to prevent or I would say even like at least address this return to office burnout. Um, And your first step is about preventing burnout for employees. So let's let's Mm -hmm. talk about
0: that. So the first step for employees, if you're currently going through burnout, you're, you're super unhappy, stressed, um, you're thinking about what to do, the first thing would be to diagnose your own burnout. So as discussed earlier, we um, we talked about how burnout manifests differently in different people. Um, There's exhaustion, cynical detachment, and inefficacy, and people can have a combination of these three um, symptoms. So it's first important to figure out what your unique burnout symptoms are because um, they can be best replenished in different ways. Mm -hmm.
1: What are, for example, if you have, you know, cynical attachment, like what would be a strategy to alleviate that?
0: Yeah. So in a recently published paper with um, Dr. Kira Sherbram, who's a professor at the University of Washington, Mm -hmm. um, we found that engaging in um, self-compassion and other compassion uh, are two ways that employees can, um, uh, two things that employees can uh, employ to alleviate different burnout symptoms. So for cynical detachment, where you feel like, you're yeah, disconnected from your coworkers and, and your peers, we found that being compassionate towards other people can actually help. And that is because it provides you with the opportunity to connect with other people, reaching out to someone, listening to how, are, how their how day is, their struggles actually provides you with this chance to uh, forge a more meaningful connection with them. And that in turn, reduces your cynical Mm attachment
1: uh it's one thing my my therapist told me recently (laughs) when you're practicing gratitude or self-compassion or something like that Uh it's really important that you don't do what she calls comparative gratitude where it's like i'm grateful what i for what i have because someone else has it worse than me or i feel worse (laughs) because someone has it better than me and she's like so gratitude is not just comparing your stuff to someone else. And you were talking about self-compassion and, and and like reaching out to other people. So it's like, I don't know, that would be my, I thought that was a very profound statement. <laughs> I was like, I think about <laughs> gratitude a lot and I've never heard it set, put like that, but and self-compassion is a big one. I actually think that's like, you know, we hear a lot about confidence and imposter syndrome and even burnout, but it's like, where is the why are we not popularizing self-compassion and like what that is and how to do that. So I'm happy you brought that up. Okay. Let's talk about your second step. So first step, you guys diagnose yourself, figure out what Mm -hmm. type of burnout you have. And then from there, figure out the best strategies to alleviate them. So your second step uh, is to develop strategies to help pull yourself out of burnout. So now everyone is like, what do you mean? Tell us every (laughs) step-by-step.
0: Yeah, so what what this means is that, so we we talked about compassion and self-compassion as ways to pull ourselves out of burnout. Um, This is particularly important for employees because these are things that we can actually do. So it's not like, HR practices to reduce burnout, things that that we cannot control. These are things that we can actually enforce by ourselves. Um, We have the agency to do that. And so what we found is that if you actually, if you practice self-compassion, so this could be different for different people. It could be some people could practice yoga as a form of self-compassion. Other people could be, it it could involve taking a nap or having a nice meal. Um, We find that, being self-compassionate actually uh, reduces your exhaustion because it provides you with this chance to kind of regroup and and take time for yourself, take care of yourself. But engaging in self-care is something that may not necessarily help cynical detachment, which we know that compassion reduces that. Um, mm-hmm. um, that phenomenon. And that's because focusing on yourself doesn't um, necessarily increase your connection with other people, especially when you're focusing other energy towards you. So it's important to realize that different strategies work best for different symptoms.
1: So for the different types, what you're saying is like, if you have cynical attachment, the way to fix that isn't necessarily just doing self-care and focusing on yourself. That one requires you to almost like connect to other people in your community and
0: relationships. Exactly. That's right. So, depending on what kind of symptom you're, you're going through or you're experiencing, having the right um, strategy or having a match between strategies will be very important because if you practice self care, you won't necessarily feel more connected to other people.
1: Okay. And then, so, and then the last one, what was the last one again for burnout?
0: So, the last one would be um, inefficacy, feeling like you're not able to achieve things or achieve your goals. It's like a lack of confidence and, in yourself. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what we find is that actually both acts of compassion or self-compassion can help to increase your feelings of efficacy and confidence. So the key thing here is to find acts that actually bolster your a positive sense of self in you. So for example, if you're compassionate to someone else, you try to comfort your coworker, that can increase your confidence because you might see the results of your actions. You can see that this coworker felt better from hearing your encouragement. Mm,
1: So you need like the external reward. You need the feedback of like, thanks so much for asking me about my day. It made me feel so good because you reached out. Ah, I Actually, this totally makes sense to me because if you are... If you're like, self-esteem is a little low, your confidence a little low, you feel like you can't do anything. It's like, I need a win. You know what I mean? I need to feel like I'm good at something in order to make me get the confidence to go back out and try again. Or, okay, this is all like making sense. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Of all the things I've been missing over the past year, it's the little things I miss the most, like making awkward eye contact across the room or meeting strangers in line. That's what I'm trying to get back to. Vaccination is the most effective way to help prevent COVID-19 and get back to the good times. Find out where to get your COVID-19 vaccine near you at vaccines.gov. That's vaccines, V-A-C-C-I-N-E-S.gov. All right, now let's get back to the show.
0: And not only that, because um, you're actually helping someone else. So it's not just about you. It's about actually helping someone else in need. And that can boost your sense of self-efficacy. Yeah. Wow. At the same time, you could also reduce a sense of inefficacy from practicing self-care. So now you could also look, at, look inwards to increase your self-efficacy. And that could be um, having your own personal wins. So it could be um, you finish a home improvement project that you've been working on. It could be that you finish a workout that you said you would do. All of these could also contribute to reducing this sense of inefficacy in, in individuals.
1: Yeah, for me personally, it's like getting everything off my to-do list. Like yep. I am unstoppable. Like yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah. Okay. That okay. So hopefully everyone is following this, but you know. Self compassion plus self care. So, mm-hmm. and and the idea with the self care is focusing on something that you can achieve. I love the idea of like finishing the home improvement project. Like, um, we had this episode; it was called the fifteen minute win, and uh-huh. the idea was set a timer for fifteen minutes to start something. Most of the time, you're going to finish it, but it's like that junk drawer that you've been meaning to organize. Like, that's a perfect
0: example of this that you're talking about too. Yeah, exactly. And one one thing that we we wanted to highlight with our research is that. Like, like you've mentioned, like just 50 minutes. So small X can really go a long way in, in reducing burnout. So it, it, we're not talking about people signing up for like a 10 week wellness seminar to reduce burnout or to go for a yoga class for, for a few months. We, what we found in our research is that just small five minute X of kindness towards yourself or other people can alleviate your burnout already. So um, we know that people are already super burnt out and we don't want them to invest more resources and energy in in more things. So just focusing on the small things they can control and you're able to change will be beneficial for people's burnout.
1: And you did a study with this, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So Kira and I, we asked students to actually either offer one simple act of kindness to themselves or to other people every day. And we found that these acts were just enough to alleviate the burnout the next day. Wow. So it means that this suggests that um, simple acts of kindness are, are just equally powerful in reducing your burnout.
1: Okay, yeah. you guys heard it. Fi- like a five-minute, nice job. We talked about this uh, a few times on the Career Contessa podcast too, talking about like very few times at work, does your boss just like give you kudos and say, I'm sorry, did such <laughs> yeah. a good job. And like, it goes such a long way. So um, if you're a manager listening to this and you want your five-minute thing, I would I would start there, too. OK, so your third step is to give some thought to how you would approach uh, approach the negotiation with your supervisor to secure these requests. So let's talk more about that.
0: Yeah. So now that you've figured out what works best for you, uh, what your you know, what your symptoms are, whether or not you ultimately get what you want, still depends on whether or not you're able to negotiate that with your supervisor. And so people tend to go into negotiations in two ways. You come in with a distributive mindset. So it's either you win or win. This is a fixed pie. Um, But there's a second mindset that's more productive. And that's the integrative mindset. So we think about win-win solutions. How can we both benefit from this negotiation? And so the second one is definitely going to lead to more Optimistic positive outcomes for employees, especially since employees are the lower power um, yeah. individual within, within the supervisor and the, and the employee. So being able to frame your requests in terms of how you benefit others, so the organization or the supervisor would be way more effective than framing it just based on what you have, what you stand to gain. So an example would be that having this change would make me more efficient and productive. And so I'll be able to do my job better or more effectively versus how it benefits you. So it's just like saying that I don't want to commute because it's going to make my life easier just working from home. So people tend to make decisions um, based on what, on on self-interest whether or not you're the supervisor employee or higher ups in the organization so focusing on aligning your interests with theirs will be very important to kind of secure that win or secure that change to benefit your what works best for you
1: i'm really happy you said that because it's it's like a good tip for all things in life whether you're negotiating for how to (laughs) alleviate your burnout or your salary or with Mm -hmm, a client mm -hmm. it's like people make decisions based on their best self interest Right. And so try yeah. to think about what is it that they want and work backwards from there. That's a, that's a whole other episode, but I'm, it's like, yeah, that's, you, you have to kind of put on your, you know, researcher hat and recognize like, okay, people are going to make a decision that works best for them. So how can I think of something that allows me to get what I want? while making them feel like this is all about them. Yep. It's very sneaky, yep. but it's very smart. Okay. <laughs> so then there's two additional tips that might help supervisors. Let's talk about those.
0: So um, the first thing for supervisors is to give your employees agency. That will be key in to make sure that employees feel empowered to to design their work lives to the the best extent possible, considering all the limitations, because it's important to remember that uh, when you prescribe solutions, they may not work or they might even backfire. For example, when you make employees go for like weekly yoga sessions, or you make them go for happy hours to build connections in, in the team this may actually end up backfiring because people really don't want to do this additional task on their to-do list. Um, they rather would rather have, have spent that time doing something else or doing something that was replenishing for them. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that will be very important to actually support employees would be to actually listen to them and try to see how... how you can make things work for them in the best way possible for these employees themselves, because they are unique and their burnout symptoms look different. Yeah. Um, The ways to treat them look different as well.
1: Yeah. And I think you're also giving them agency to come Mm -hmm. to you and tell, tell you what type of burnout symptoms they're experiencing. So there's agency on both sides. Like if you're listening to this and you're an employee, you can't ask your employer to do the work for you and vice versa. Right. And so I like this because this is agency on both sides. Um, yep. cause sometimes mm-hmm. I, I do feel like employees do this thing where they're like, Oh, my employer should just know. So there's a responsibility here for both people
0: self-awareness will be important because you need to first know what you're going through and and figure out what works best for you as well Mm -hmm. before you can make any asks. A
1: hundred percent agree. Like self-awareness is (laughs) very important because they can't help you if they don't know. And they've got Mm -hmm. a lot of things on their plate, so they're not going to spend the time getting to know. Okay. And then your second tip for supervisors who, by the way, are also employees most of the time. Let's keep that in mind. I think sometimes we treat bosses and supervisors like they're not one of us, but they yeah. are.
0: <laughs> yep. So I think that uh, supervisors have a really difficult job. because yes. They're employees themselves. They're managing their own workload. And at the same time, making sure that the people they're in charge of are okay and they're doing their work properly, their, their, their well being is, is taken care of, and all of that. So it's very important, I think, for um, managers to actually realize that they also need self care mm-hmm. and they need care during this very difficult time. And I really love this forthcoming research study by Claudiana Loney from the University of Washington and the team. And what they did was they looked at the benefits of self-compassion for leaders, um, which I thought was very relevant to this discussion. Very. So <laughs> they, they showed that um, leaders who are self-compassionate ended up being better able to help others. And this results in other people seeing them as more effective leaders. So what this means is that um, beyond the benefits of being self-compassionate, so we know that self compassion helps with well being mental health all of that it actually makes you be, um, makes other people see you as better leaders and someone who is better and you're also better able to help your subordinates so this sounds like a the win win situation to me in that practicing self care helps you but also helps you help other people better. And this suggests that, this reminds me of of this idea of how um, leaders should put on their own oxygen masks first before assisting others. Being able to care for yourself and making sure you're in a good place before um, helping other people will be the best approach to dealing with all of this burnout and COVID-related stressors. Yeah.
1: I wish we were able to tell people like, Hey, pop this pill and this, these burnout symptoms that you have now will go away and that, you know, going back to the office will feel good. But I think one, we don't, so we'll just pop that bubble now. But, um, I think you're bringing up some really good points about like, if you have new burnout symptoms, You're not alone. There are new burnout Mm -hmm. symptoms, and as someone who studies burnout, you're seeing new ones pop up to, to, in addition to the ones that were already well (laughs) well known before. So I think just sometimes us saying point blank, "This is happening," you're not kind of imagining this is important. And then I also do think that there is an anxiety about returning to the office for a whole bunch of reasons, and people are weighing the pros and cons, and it probably has a little bit less to do with salary right now more to do with quality Mm -hmm. of life and um Mm -hmm. i do think there's a little bit of this like yolo mentality like you only live once and people are like i don't know if this is where i want to be spending my time how do i I, like i get it COVID did kind of bring everything to a a hard stop and and make you like re-look at your life and i think all that's really Mm -hmm. good i think that though Burnout and having the tools to cope with burnout are are they're gonna be good tools to have in that toolbox no matter what. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think everyone, let's follow uses <laughs> uh instructions by first diagnosing ourselves because it might change, you know. One one year it might be that you need more self-compassion, another year it might be more self-care. And I think it's it's uh interesting that you brought both of those up because I think oftentimes people just assume they they fall into the same bucket. But I found what for me that one of the big takeaways from this conversation is understanding sometimes it needs to be about you. Sometimes it needs to be about other people. Mm -hmm, And I really mm -hmm. connected to the confidence building thing. Like, and then there are other times with that. And I think that's really big because um, like I said, we talk a lot about self-care, but that's a whole other industry. That's like a billion dollar industry and making you feel like if you do this thing, you'll feel better, but maybe that isn't what you need right now. You know, I always joke Mm -hmm. at like, the mom who's like, I don't have time for a 20 minute morning routine. And they make it sound like if I would just make the time for that, it would fix all my problems, you know? And it's like, yeah. and it is, it's like, yeah, that's because <laughs> one size does not fit all. So th- these are really, mm-hmm. really important tips. You said where can people stay in touch with you and, you know, follow your research and, you know, <laughs> ask you about burnout <laughs> and things like that? <laughs>
0: I can leave you with my email address. So it's yusu at uwu.edu.
1: Amazing. Yeah. So people can reach out. Yusu, your personal burnout scholar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's not your personal <laughs> burnout scholar, you guys. But follow her work. It's it's really incredible. And I think, I mean, we didn't even thank get you. to half the things I wanted to get to. So we'll have to have you come back on and we'll talk about um, some, <laughs> some other things happening out there in, in addition to self-compassion. But thank you for joining the show today. This is really helpful.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the females. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. Your reviews help our show get discovered by new listeners. And we love to read your feedback and they help us so much. So we really appreciate when you leave us a review, if you're looking for some guidance on increasing your self-confidence and being more self-compassionate, we can totally help you with our new online course, the confidence crunch, strengthening your confidence muscles in just 21 days. We made sure to link to that online course in the show notes. And a big thank you to Yu Sue Hang for sharing her advice and research with all of us today.